The subject of this evening's talk is the phenomena of anger. Whether we look outside of ourselves or inside, we become conscious of the various forms and expressions which anger takes and tends to register all too frequently in the world that we live in. And this registration sometimes takes place in its more noticeable and obvious forms such as violence and sometimes rather more insidiously, insidiously through the sanctioning of violence where particular, particular people, leaders, people with, with power can demonstrate a certain capacity to put pen to paper, make orders and dispatch people to fight against each other while they live somewhat aloof and alienated from the violence and those personal consequences of, of, of war. And one of the noticeable characteristics, as a friend of mine was telling me um, uh, recently, was that some years ago, when America was engulfed in this uh, monstrous uh, war in uh, Vietnam, he at that time, having been uh, brought up in a poor uh, area, saw that becoming, uh, joining the military was a, a certain way out of the poverty, a way into some kind of peculiar enough security, joined the army and was dispatched. And he was 18 years old, he was sent to the DMZ line and the that, that line that ran across, the, making this artificial division, North and South Vietnam. And by the age of uh, 19, a year later, he was a patrol leader, taking direct orders from Saigon and so forth. And then he, and he realized during these patrols, these night patrols in which, in which they were the hunted and the hunters, that it was the poor fighting the poor. That was what he realized that the people who were killing each other were mostly from poor backgrounds. And also he noticed that there was another very noticeable characteristic about, about war and the conduct of war, and that was that they were all young. And I remarked to him, you know, to be a patrol leader in fighting a guerrilla war in Vietnam at at the age of 19, seems exceptionally, exceptionally young. And he said, oh no, I was one of the older ones. Those that were under me were all 17 or 18 years of age, and the captains were 19 or 20 or 21. And if you were over 25, actually engaged in fighting, you were considered to be old. So it was the poor and the young fighting and, and killing each other and taking orders in that field of violence from people who were older and aloof from the reality. And it is this kind of alienation at the international level, at the, at the level of, of war, which makes it so easy for those with the power to direct the power and not have any it's important, not have any feeling of what the violence is actually about. 
And of course, this is now taking further expression in our society because it's the same mind which directs that, it's the same mind which can press a button. So we see there's this outer structure of violence and, and war, and we see too that there's all the social elements of this violence and aggression and having its root in many other factors but not only psychological and it seems to me that there has been for far too long a long-standing prejudice or bias that everything is innate inside of ourselves and that we our background our our history that we emanate from um, monkeys and we are inherently aggressive and violent as human beings and as a result of that this keeps manifesting in this world and and this the biologists and the research people and the psychologists in their laboratories and so forth keep you taking or making tests again and again to reinforce this particular standpoint that, uh, that violence is something which has a long-standing factor to it, that it is hereditary and therefore one can't be free from violence because we are violent. And unfortunately this kind of viewpoint tends to reduce the significance of how externally speaking social factors, political, social, economic factors have such a degree of influence upon people's psyche, upon their personality which affects the quality of life which is a factor towards producing violence. And of course one needs to con consider, not so I feel so much at the biological level as some given absolute, but we have to also consider in life the, the actuality of, the, of our mental processes, the psychology of ourselves and our re own relationship to aggression and violence and how that can manifest. And to some, ex some extent, when you and I are looking at ourselves, and we just see the more subtle expressions of our own anger and negativity and resentment and hos hos hostility, when we just look at that as we experience it in our personal lives, we can begin to see that there are many factors which can contribute to that. When a man or a woman, as an, as an, as an example, has lived in a particular place and that person with a particular job over a number of years and he or she suddenly finds himself, herself unemployed, made, made redundant, um, having to get, as you do here in the States, having to get um, meal tickets, having to become a, a virtual beggar in society, very understandably any t tendencies inside of oneself to, uh, towards anger are much more likely to come up. And so, so, and the insensitivity of our society tends to have a detrimental effect 
on people, on human beings. And there's rather a feel of danger in our world that we get in our, in our looking at life, in our looking at the world, too much one-sided. Too much pointing the finger, too much saying, you, you, you are the product of your anger, you make all your anger, you create your world. That kind of viewpoint, I feel, is a, is a, a narrow way of looking at life. And, and it's more important, I feel, to, to look at the totality. And therefore, what's the actuality of our psychology? What's the actuality of the world which is around us? In that dynamic, what arises? Out of the dynamic of events, what arises? Now, in this <coughs> area of looking at anger and the kind of anger which you and I experience and all the varying forms, all the ways that our buttons get, get pressed in life, in our, in our, now, looking, looking at that, the, there's something happens inside of us and sometimes we experience some kind of external pressure which is directed towards us in some particular way, which creates a pressure inside, we identify with it, the human situation, we identify with it, and that pressure then easily comes out as a reaction, out as anger. And there's frequent situations in our life where we experience that in some form or other. And self-knowledge in that regard is, what makes me angry? What sort of situations in, in one's, one's life do, does one feel anger coming? When we're, when we're under some kind of pressure, both gross and obvious, and the more subtle kind of pressures, and there are many subtle pressures in a meditation retreat towards conformity, towards silence, towards doing things at a proper time, towards being in the right place, in the right situation. So many forms of that. Some of those things at particular times reach us and really affect us. And we feel our anger or irritation arising to, to varying degrees. And sometimes we recognize inside of ourselves, and this is, I feel, very important, we recognize inside of ourselves that that objective pressure coming towards us sometimes produces an, what we would say afterwards was an unwarranted reaction. You know, that other, in other words, something took place and we overreacted to the situation. The anger went too far. If we see that, if we look, it might be a day after or, or whenever, we look and we say, that which made me anger, angry really wasn't worth being so angry about. And we say, well, that really doesn't seem like an external cause for me. One has to ask, well, what is? 
It's not just enough for you and I to say, well, that really wasn't the, the thing really, and, and, and leave it at that, which is what we had the tendency to do, but to inquire and say, well, well, what's happening inside of me which is provoking so much anger? Unnecessary anger. In a moment I'll get to anger is necessary at all, but anyway, unnecessary anger. Now sometimes what we experience in a very simple way, and here's where the force of wanting and desire comes in, you and I want something and that which we want, we can't get. You want something from your lover, you want, some, you want something from the situation, you want something from yourself or whatever. And one finds that this, there is the wanting, the, the, the bare raw wanting, but the accessibility to what one is after, the capacity sometimes to get it, isn't forthcoming. So the wanting in one's mind is frustrated. And the frustration of the wanting spills out as anger. What sort of situations in our life do we experience that? Where? When? How? With whom? And sometimes it can be useful to bring to mind the, the, an, um, the image, the recollection of a situation where one, is, where one has, has, has experienced, let us say, some conflict of interest, conflict of interest between you and somebody else. And that conflict of interest has pro produced this reaction of, of mind. And sometimes in the course, in the course of that, one also, it's also to see that when you and I come out into a state of reaction about something, to, just to bring to mind, when we're in that state of negative reaction, what flows out of ourself and what's the kind of consequences in this world? Let, 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 let me give you an example. Some people mentioned, I'll mention the, 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 the we'll take it more uh, a broader level, then we'll come to more subtle levels. But there's no difference. Um, sometimes there's an external situation which you and I feel a certain moral indignation about. It's unfair, it's un unjust, it's unwarranted. And we might see that, whether it's the bomb and the button, you know, wh whether it's the poverty, whether it's this horrendous situation of the, the third world, or, or whatever, it, whatever it might be. And one see, sees this, and it affects one, it affects one's in, inside, it affects one's emotions, and it produces inside of oneself the, react, the angry reaction. I'm going to do something about this. And in that reaction, which is coming from that place of anger, and we experience this on many levels, what is the character for us of that action when it's coming from that place?
you see something in your home, you don't like, you don't like what, you, what you see, you don't like the way that that person is um, behaving. And sometimes it's something so simple, isn't it? Something the person doesn't wash up. You're living, you're living in an apartment, the person doesn't wash up. And, it, and you can stand it one day, you can stand it the next day, and then you come in the next day and the, the pile is increasing. And, and, and there's a reaction, I can't stand this. It's unfair, it's unjust, it shouldn't be taking place. You know, why, why is he, why is she so like that? Why, why, is, why are they so insensitive to me? And it produces a reaction. How do you think you do the washing up? With loving care and mindfulness? So there's a situation where, where something which one sees, which one objectively might be true and it might be quite right and, and, and correct what one sees as an objective fact, but it's something inside has produced the response in that form. Let me give you a I just, I'd been away, I'd been, um, where had I, where had I been? I'd been in um, um, India and Going away and um, <laughs> going away and coming uh, coming back um, in this kind of um, um, work, um, lifestyle. Um, when I'm away, generally speaking, a couple of letters arrive a day, right, from friends. It's not very much, but when one is away thirty days, one has a pile, a pile of letters, and there's sixty letters to sort out. So this might be a situation which, which uh, arises, not unusual in, in a home, where one, say, one's sitting in one's uh, room, I have a tiny little office, eight, eight, literally about eight or nine feet uh, uh, square, and in there I'm working. Downstairs in the, in the kitchen there's Gwenwyn, uh, my mate, and uh, she's preparing dinner, and there's a little kind of room beside the kitchen where Nishona, our young daughter, plays. So Gwenwyn uh, shouts up to me, um, Christopher, uh, Shona wants to sit, sit on the toilet. And the fact is that she's, being young, she can't climb up into the toilet and she thinks she's such a big girl, she doesn't need to use a potty anymore. And she insists on being on top of the toilet like mummy and daddy. So I say, Gwenwyn, I've got a hell of a pile of letters up here. I, you know, can't you do it? No, I can't do it. The cooking is on, I can't leave the cooking. Meanwhile, the poor little kid's pissing herself in. <laughs> <laughs> and I shout out, look, I'm trying to get this cleared. I'm trying to get rid of all, all this, this monstrous pile of mail. I wish people wouldn't write to me. And she said, well, I can't leave the dinner. By this time, it little bit, I want to go to the toilet. So th 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 this, 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 this arises. <laughs> and so, you know, oh, I've got to go downstairs, right. So I go, now what's going to be my relationship to my little daughter? <laughs> <laughs> Love? Oh, wonderful, let's go up. <laughs> <clears throat> so, 
so there's a, situ there's a situation, a simple event, there's a certain pressure which uh, occurs, there's a certain clinging and identified identification with what one is doing, the holding on, onto that, a certain impasse is agreed, one begrudgingly gives in, that's what it, 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 it feels like, what's the relation like, ship like with a little girl? So, in other, in other words, it, the world has its impact, impact and it has its uh, influence upon us. That bias is such that when it touches those places in, inside of us, the very quality of our life is so noticeably affected by that impact. Now when there's a successive amount of those kind of occurrences in our life, when you and I are just getting angry over and we're not looking at it, which is in our world is not a, at all uh, an unusual situation, when we're not looking at our anger, that means that when we are angry, in the very time where we're feeling angry or upset or irritated, whatever expression it may take, when we're not looking at it, then we justify it. We believe that our anger, whatever form it may occur, it has a, uh, it is a valid expression or response to events. Now when that keeps arising, sometimes the more, that form of the sustained anger rather than the blow-up, meaning resentment, whether it's the blow-up, or whether, and particularly with resentment, which is the most unsatisfactory form, one of the most unsatisfactory forms of anger, it tends to eat away at relationship. It tends to actually consume. I'm not, that's the only concept I can think of. The resentment consumes affection. So one's own mind is left burning and negative and hostile. The affection is being burnt out of it, I mean, actually, not, not, not um, an analogy, burned out, out of it, it gets, it gets wasted away, and with that, fragmentation, division, split, separation, or whatever it might be. So in our, in our, in our human, human relationship with, 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 each, with each other and with ourselves, we must look at our anger, at our hostility, at our resentment. We must find, try to see and, and, and be more carefully in, in touch with it, both in its gross form, even when it's applied to objective reality and objective danger, as well as to the expressions of it in ordinary daily life situations, here or anywhere else. In this working with this, the anger and the forms of anger, uh, which, which arise, still the human being can't, in by being uh, more, shall we say, free from anger inside of oneself, can't be free from 
the receiving of anger. So an individual may work on their anger and, 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 and come to some underst understanding of that form of expression, but anger still gets precipitated in this world. It still keeps coming out in this world, and you and I have to learn to live with it, uh, inwardly and outwardly. And let me give you an example of this. This is a very uh, st strong uh, um, example. Just recently, there was a person on, uh, on the r retreat, and he was telling me that in the 1950s and uh, middle, late 50s and 60s, he was a political reporter in, uh, in one of the uh, for one of the southern newspapers, and he would also act from time to time as a stringer for Time, Time magazine. And part of his work included being in contact with um, Martin Luther King and their, their, their work, their tremendous work. And he said one of the things, incidentally, which he noticed about King was this man had an extraordinary sense of calmness about him, in all, I mean, literally all hell breaking loose around him. And people close to him just, <laughs> just losing their cool, you know, very understandable under the pressure, and he keeping it together inside of himself in spite of everything. And he said that when he was working there, people, say, would be outside a racist hotel or a racist restaurant or shop or, or whatever and just quietly pr quietly protesting just walking up and down out on the street out outside making their protest and a day would two day or two would go by and people would walk by and not take any notice a few more days would would go by and then a few more days and he said then something began to happen in which people would get a kind of glazed look over their eyes and the anger would come out amongst the white population there. It's, it's as though that what these people were doing were actually threatening their whole life, he said. It's, it's actually as though that their culture and their very survival, everything was under stake. And it produced this tremendous reaction and anger and stone throwing, etc. Even, he said, with friends of his. And he said once he was making an investigation into the Ku Klux Klan, and one night he was kidnapped. And they took him off, and he really thought this was the end for him. And they pulled him outside the car, and they got a revolver, and this guy had the revolver, he said, with the uh, barrel right in the middle of his forehead. And so there are, because of the close proximity of their standing position, one arm's length, they were looking at each other straight in the eyes. And he said, in that time, the, the KKK uh, man, he said he looked at him in his eyes and he knew that he wasn't going to pull that trigger. He wanted to. He really wanted to. But in that case, he, he, the, something was in the eyes between the two of them and it didn't happen. And maybe, I don't know, no, I said to him, what was your state of mind? 
And he said, well, the extraordinary thing was that he felt extraordinarily calm in that situation. And he looked at and he and he'd got the glimmer that that right at the beginning that that man wasn't going to shoot him, even though the rev the revolver and the barrel was at his head for three minutes. So in our relationship to the world and, and in finding ourselves in myriad variety of situations, to some degree or other our working and capacity to be in touch with ourselves, to work with our anger and fear, which is be always with anger, never, never totally apart, the capacity to work with this, it may produce, it may bring out anger, but also it can help diffuse it. And, this, and it seems to me that this inner work, the working on ourselves and, and, and developing calmness of being, exploring our negativities, seeing ourselves in, in relationship to the world, that expression and that development, that self-work needs to be generated into this world. Badly, badly. Really needs to be generated. We need to find ways and means to be able to do that. The world cannot tolerate too much more anger and violence, whether in the obvious forms of it, the physical violence, or the insidious forms of the mind corrupted by power which sanctions it. In our working in the situation situation like here, one of the areas, of course, where the anger arises, and arises quite frequently, and perhaps the one where we're most vulnerable, and it comes up, and people have mentioned it to, today and the previous days, it comes up where there is some emotional factor at work. A strongly emotional factor makes us, by the character of being more emotional in our personal life, makes us more should we say, accessible to anger. In other words, you and I, we will get angry with somebody that we say we love. We will say things to the person that we say that we love, which we would never dream of saying to anybody else. We will say things to our mother and father about the way they are, which we would never say to our friend's mother and father or to our lover, or to our children, or whatever it might be. And this, 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 the emotional factors in our life, there we need to give, obviously, tremendous care and attention and awareness. Because what happens in meditation retreats, as happens in the daily life situation, that memory comes up, there's the image of somebody that you know, and and you start thinking in your sitting of all the things you're going to say to that person next time you get your hands on them. <laughs> and this can consume, apart from consuming a, 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 lot, of t a lot of time, and, 
and apart from the fact that one is so embroiled in one's anger during the course of the sitting that one completely forgets about one's knee pains and one's back pains because this burning irritation in the mind is, is so strong, that sometimes within, with, within that, that image arises and that charge goes there. And so the form of anger takes in some way or other the form of seeking revenge. And we see that when we are caught into that, a motivation of our mind within that is that we want to hurt. What we feel hurt, we feel we've been rejected, we, we, we've been unable to accept that feeling inside of ourselves, it's provoked a reaction, I want to get my own back. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. And that syndrome, which we as human beings get caught in, in subtle and, and blatant, crude, crude ways, is because somewhere or other we're not seeing something. Somewhere or another we've, we weren't watching. Some way or other we weren't listening to the space that person was in nor were we listening to the space that we are in. And out of that not watching, not listening, not being, uh, not being aware, ignorance takes over, blindness takes over, and all the kind of consequences of that blindness. And it's not easy in that respect, because some things have to come through. Some things have got to be expressed, some things have got to be laid out right in front and saying, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is why I'm angry. And that expression, that, that allowing for that, means that somehow or other, you and, and you and I have to make it clear whether it's inside of ourself or in a daily life situation, there's no difference as far as the way our mind moves. Make, somehow or other we have to make it clear in life that the anger or negativity or hostility or feeling for revenge, resentment, whatever, when it comes up, we, we have to get it over somehow or other. This is what I'm experiencing right now. And not say, you make me like this. Somehow or other, within that frustration that you and I might be going through, somehow to get it over, to communicate to the other person, hey, this is, what, this is what's happening in my mind right now, I'm just putting it out, it feels better to put it out. Rather than say, you're the cause, you make me. And oversimplify the situation. Let me, let me give you an example. Sometimes uh, the violence which we experience is not always in our waking state. It doesn't always come in that way. And I hear, and part of the motivation for telling this, uh, in that I, I hear quite regularly of people who experience fear and anger within their dream life. 
and particularly where there is the, the, the state of the reoccurring nightmare which comes up. And I'll give you an example. A friend of, of mine experiencing these uh, nightmares and having uh, experienced them for, for a long, long time of being actively threatened by somebody. And, and in that state of being uh, uh, actively threatened through the nightmare, that would repeat itself and repeat, repeat itself several, several times. And she, she could go to bed at night, she's feeling quite, I mean, really quite nervous, quite uh, apprehensive about going to bed. Sometimes waking up in the night, shivering, of being attacked by somebody. And then one day she decide, decided that she would just start doing a drawing of this person that was so threatening to her. And while, ma and while making this um, particular drawing, she's holding the drawing up and she, she began, her whole body is shaking with, with agitation and uh, concern because there, there was the image externalized, as it were, brought from behind and placed in front of her, so to speak. And she experienced the fear and the terror and all of that running through her body while having that drawing, she's not an artist or anything, but that drawing out there in front of her. And when that had emptied itself out, there was a feeling of change inside of her and some warmth and affection came out because she knew that that image no longer threatened her. She told me she's nightmare has never come back after several years. It was finished. The following morning, after going through this process, she said the following morning when she woke up, she said there was a tuft of grey hair on the front of her head. just came out. And she said, it was a small price to pay. <laughs> so, in other, in other words, in our looking at negativity, in our looking at anger, in our looking at the, at the frustrations, sometimes it's work, and this is where practice and observation and exploration, sometimes it's necessary for you and I just to be able to work with it as it's actually happening in our experience, what's actually going on, on inside, seeing more clearly, clearly in that way. And sometimes, particularly in the area of field of rela relationship, or in the field of any cons concern about the world, which produces an anger, that somehow or other we need to be able to find ways and means in our life to work with this anger, and sometimes the, the, the expression of anger, uh, sorry, anger has a validity to it, I would say, when we are using it to work with, and when we're making it clear to the recipient of that anger that we need to experience it at this time, and the person can hear that, so, the, so that when you and I are under the receiving end of anger, we're not sitting there taking it so personally and that pressing more buttons which go back and forth. I mean, it's one thing, Ronnie having his finger on the button, but we also keep pressing each other's buttons and the similarity is stark, isn't it?
I hadn't thought of that one before. It's interesting. <laughs> and one sees too, both in the, in this relationship of the of the inner and the outer, where you and I are coming from. Given the fact of our humanity, given the fact of our accumulations, given the fact of our of our, of our anger and so forth, that we can begin to find what we might say a more clear place, or in the religious language, a more pure place inside of ourself, which is there and can coexist with our anger, yet that place is there inside of us. And when that place is there inside of us, and every time we're working with a situation and trying to look at it and stay with it, every time that pure place is inside of us, that long history of we're just from a bunch of sophisticated monkeys, biologically determined and all of that, up to it. It just doesn't have any relevance in an intelligent person's way of it's just rationalization, theorization, ad nauseum, which is which has gone on, and I feel one just dispense with it. And to see instead of all that and and uh, and all the religious expressions of it that we were all Adam and Eve, Eve, it's all her fault. She bit the apple, and because she bit the apple, she's ruined it for the rest of us. This this whole uh, <laughs> original sin concept of it. Honestly. <laughs> God. Anyway, so in our relationship and in our looking and in our connecting with ourselves at a, at a deeper or more clear level inside of ourselves, one can come from a more clear place inside of ourselves, which is biologically determined. And out of that, we can begin to see and to express our humanity from that place. And that doesn't mean to say that all the anger has gone out of our life or all the fear has gone out of our life, but there's a sense for that. And in fact, to come into a situation like to come into a retreat and to be here and to work together, that's there. You can't get into a, can't get into a place, into oneself, without that being present. And so in that, in that re, 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 um, response to that, in finding that those, those ways and means, of course we must work at just the ordinary expressions of that. We must begin to look at which, which of those images in our life tend to be more highly charged and, and, and look with a little bit more care and sensitivity at the image and who that represents. We have to be more aware too whether the anger is it so easy? It can get directed outwardly, or sometimes it's inwardly directed, and the image is about ourself. We have this image of ourself that we're no good, we can't do it, we're a failure, that everybody else is sitting so still and I'm useless, and those kind of reactions, and that's all an image. And when that image is there and, and, and is at work, and we hear any kind of appreciation which comes to us. Somebody sees something about us and they see objectively and clearly and that person expresses an appreciation or gratitude or gives some praise. That image is so strong we can't even hear it. 
the, the negativity and that self-image has come is there and it keeps arising and we think oh that person's just seeing it they're, they're, they're saying it well they just feel sorry for me really So again, this, the, the, the element of the image which arises and the, and the negativity, outwardly or inwardly, really obscures, that's the only way that one can say it, it obscures our perceptions of the world. An element, an area of our practice is learning to work with seeing more clearly. And in that seeing more clearly there is more a sense of accommodation of life, a greater capacity and willingness to work with things, a greater capacity to look at things, and every time you and I express that capacity that is coming from a place inside of us which is truly of value for you, for me, and for our world. May all beings see into aggression. May all beings see into anger. May all beings live with awareness.